This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another bonus Super J Cast. We are very lucky to have back with us today Fraser Marriott, the G1 Iron Man, who is approaching the final leg of his G1 tour with a mere four shows left, if I've got that right. Um, Fraser, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Joel. Um, today is a day off, uh, so I arrived back in uh, Tokyo last night after taking a bullet train after the Osaka show. So the uh, the road trip of about 11 days and about eight shows is over. I'd, I'd suggest that's probably the toughest part of the tour. So now I've just got to sit back, enjoy the last four shows, which should in theory be the most exciting ones. So we're uh, feeling totally fine at the moment. Now, on this tour you've done, you've picked up quite a lot of followers on social media, a lot of attention from the wrestling community. How are you enjoying that? Yeah, it's good fun, actually. Um, I, I think I might have mentioned sort of last time that in the past I've kept my account private, mainly because um, I didn't think I was going to have anything o- overly exciting necessarily to share, and sometimes the negativity on Twitter was uh, a bit of a put-off. But um, no, this time around, it, it, it's, it's been fun. So um, yeah, sort of each day or after each show, there's another 30 or 40 followers, which is all, always fun. You get different perspectives, and, and this time around, got quite a lot of Japanese followers as well, which is... Uh, making it fun and especially when you see certain incidents or events that come up you quite often get different opinions from both groups so it's um yeah it's a lot of fun to bring the followers uh, along for the ride as well and i think the positivity has been great so i don't think there's been a single comment along the way so far which has made me uh regret that decision to open up my account now now fraser you've just come off this uh unbelievable uh, two osaka shows and they always seem to be you know, top of the list when it comes to the G1 shows and the events there. Um, give us some highlights for from from your perspective from those two events, uh, the events that we just came off of. Uh, give me some takeaways of, of the highlights and, and maybe some lowlights for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a very, very memorable weekend. And I think sort of the, the two shows had a very different feel about them. So on the, uh, on the Saturday uh, that that was an amazing show. And I think um, if people aren't already aware, uh, last time around or historically for the G1, Osaka's always uh, just been a one-show stop. This time around, um, it, would, it was two shows. So you get a lot of hardcore fans uh, traveling from Tokyo as well to be there. So you, you had the sort of the hardest core of the core fans there. So it made for a great atmosphere. I think Saturday, obviously, and I've had a chance today on my day off to, to check out your guys' own take of the weekend. Um that Ishii Omega match, that was just uh, phenomenal. Um, there had already been some uh, outstanding matches uh, in the G1 already, most of which uh, Ishii himself had already been involved with, but that was quite clearly over and above um, what had already been those great matches. And I think the the tone was set very nicely. I, I think most of the crowd were not really uh, too keen on Kenny this time around. I think partly because he had so many points, so he was running away with it. And I think the thing that Kenny did great, which set up that match beautifully, was all that sort of patronising, rubbing of the head of Ishii at the start. And uh, I think uh, if there was any doubt about the majority being with Ishii, that just uh, went uh, one step further. And even there was a guy to my right who who was uh, starting off um, 
the match supporting Kenny and who's kind of dueling with me. Um, I, I tend to yell out quite a bit for whoever it is I want to win. And by the end of the match, um, he was shouting for Ishii even. So uh, Ishii managed to convert fans midway through that. But that, that was just an amazing match. I mean, I've been fortunate enough in the last three years to see a lot of great matches, but oh, that's got to be right up the top of some of the very best I think I've ever seen. Now, is the um, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, just to, to, to touch on the uh, Ishii part, and again, I, I I know that we have a lot to talk about when it comes to that Osaka show. The is Ishii a, a guy who, and again, in the West, we kind of gravitate to him because he is the guy that maybe you know, uh, for lack of a better description, you know, he's got more guts than brains, right? Um, he's got so much heart and 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 so much just passion. Um, that again, he may not get himself into the best situations, but he's always uh, there for the fight, and his match quality is, you know, off the charts ridiculous. It, what's what's the perception of of a, of a of a fan there of Ishii and, and where he stands with the promotion? Yeah, I think I think a couple of things come to mind. I mean, uh, I think for a lot of Japanese fans, he's kind of strong style personified, and I think sort of going back in time, I think him and Shibata sort of jointly held that. Title, if anything, Shibata might have been even more so that way. I think with Shibata sort of unfortunately dropping out in the last eighteen months or so with his um, his head injury, Ishii's very much seen um, as that guy. So he is very very popular with the fans. But the one thing I would say, sort of countering that a little bit, is in my experience, whether you're talking to Japanese male fans or female fans, very few of them. If you ask them who's your favorite wrestler, Ishii's just not. Normally, that one guy, it tends to be Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, um, Kenny, those top four guys. So Ishii's definitely a level below. And I think, for me, what would be interesting is, would New Japan ever seriously consider, and I think the reality is probably not, putting that top title uh, on him? I, I think perhaps Intercontinental is certainly never. It's obviously something he's had before. But he's always that level down. But he is very, very highly valued regarded and respected by the Japanese community. Now, a lot of people obviously are talking about the Tamatonga situation where he jumped the barricade and attacked a fan. Uh, a lot of people thought it was a plant and you are adamant that it wasn't a plant. So obviously you've got the best seat in the house there to give us a take on that. So um, what is your personal take on the Tama situation? Yeah, yeah. Well, I might, I might give you my personal take and then also share the Japanese one because I think you're going to be quite surprised by what the Japanese um, fans have been saying. And I, I've talked to a lot of my friends directly today. I spent quite a bit of time looking at some of the threads and even there's been some blogs and articles written about it. My personal take was um, it was interesting. And, and, and um, I don't know if you guys saw the undercards or not, but, but that played a very, very important role. So I, I was sitting in a row... Um, literally just four seats down from the the gentleman in question. We're in exactly the same row, and he was very, very noisy. And I could tell that most of his comments to the wrestlers were, were, were generally sort of quite negative, which is quite unusual. I think I explained um, in our previous podcast that, that the Japanese fan inclination is always respect the performers, um, and, and you don't do that kind of stuff. And I could tell that he was irritating quite a few of the people uh, around our area and and definitely he got some responses out of the wrestlers so when Naito was doing his slow re- getting ready to get ready for his match he was yelling out and, and you'll see on the undercard I'm sure the camera shows Naito doing a bit of a, a tranquilo pose and then they had the Bullet Club tag match and um, I think there's a normal shenanigans that went on with that one so that that was the match Tama Tonga himself was actually in and Tonga definitely um, 
was irritated by this guy. Before his match started, he yelled out Udasai, which is a very kind of uh, uh, sharp term in Japan. It kind of means you, you, you're being very noisy, you know, shut the fuck up, to be uh, quite blunt about it. And um, that annoyed him before the match. Now, interestingly, when he's going off, and, and I haven't watched World to see if it's captured correctly or not, um, is when Tom was walking all the way back down to the ramp, he kind of did um, some wild gestures at this guy. And, and the guy felt, thought a little bit, that he's a little bit scared at that point. Um, he, he was miles away, so Tamatong was literally just about to disappear over the, into the ramp, but he did a few, uh, in inverted commas, self-harm gestures uh, towards this guy, and he clearly had noticed him um, at that point. Uh, but that didn't stop this guy. He's very noisy also in Ibushi's match, and I don't know if you could see him world again. Ibushi was politely acknowledging this guy, but it was pretty excessive, especially in a Japanese context. And then... I guess going through to Fale's match where Tamatonga did his run in, and then this guy was yelling out again. And I thought it was kind of ballsy given it was obvious Tamatonga had been upset by this guy before. He sort of runs. Um, so, so once Tamatonga's done bashing uh, Yoshihashi, I think it was, with the chair, he, he went to the first sort of uh, crowd barrier with his chair and sort of leant up against it. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, he's just going to do his normal kind of pretend to um, threaten him and that will be the end of it. But I looked across at the guy at that point. He was already quite nervous and he was doing the Naito sort of tranquilo hands down stuff because I think he genuinely thought Tamatonga was coming for him. And Tamatonga definitely had a look in his eyes where I thought, well, maybe he might do, but I don't seriously think he will. Then he sort of jumped over that one. And then, you know, chair in hand, he's walking over with purpose to this guy. And I thought, shit, this looks quite serious. And I'd seen this guy's sort of uh, actions earlier in the card. And I was pretty convinced he was a, a, a legit fan. It seemed like um, he, he was not somebody um, unplanted. But when, when Tamatonga was right up in front of him, I thought, okay, he'll, he'll just sort of stand there and do nothing. And, and again, he still got the chair in the hands and he put the choke on the guy. And I was sort of trying to half watch this and, and, and take photos at the same time because it all happened so quickly that I figured probably not many people are going to actually get a chance to take any photos here. But that choke, um, I mean, I couldn't tell, obviously, not being the guy, but the choke looked quite serious, and he held it on there uh, for a while. And, and the guy was was really recoiling by this stage. And he's kind of an older guy. Maybe he's probably in his 50s somewhere. And I think if you're Tamatonga as the performer, you're taking a few chances, I think, sort of ensuring, you know, this guy's got no health problems or, or whatever. It's a little bit risky. Then he took his hand off the choke and, and, and sort of just feigned to, to hit the chair. But... Given he had gone that far, like, like, I honestly couldn't tell, like, where was the line going to be drawn? Like, you, you would have thought he's well and truly crossed whatever conventional lines have already been there. Um, and and then he proceeded um, eventually to walk away from that guy and um, hit some of the young lines over the head and then take off. But it, it, it was really, um, really quite surreal. And I asked the guy straight afterwards, just sort of daijobu des, which is, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But he's definitely a bit shook up. Um, for sure, and he didn't really say much throughout the rest of the show, um, all the way until the end when Tanahashi came back and, and, and he started chanting for Tanahashi again. Then after the show is finished, um, I, I went up to the guy and said, oh, can I take a photo? And, you know, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, photo's fine, photo's fine. So he took that and I asked him, um, uh, you know, Shigoto Shinihon, which is, uh, you know, do you work for New Japan? Uh, are you involved? He said, oh, no, 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 just, just, just fan. And I'm, I mean, you know, he could always bullshit me, obviously, so I'm never going to know 100%, but I'm as sure as I can be that um, it was legit. Now, now I think it did go over the edge a little bit, but I kind of liked it in a way because it, it was just so bizarre and so surreal that something so shocking might be what, what helps them out here. But 
if I can just continue on just for a second, on the Japanese fan side, this has been very, very interesting. They've been all completely pro Tamatonga. Um, this this um, this guy has been referred to online as Yaji Ojisan. Ojisan is like uncle, so I'm sure Joe over there in China they've got a similar expression that they use for those sort of uh, middle-aged or, or just past middle-aged gentlemen. And Yaji means kind of booing or, or hooting um, a fan. And all of them are unanimous that his behavior, just, just forgetting Tamatonga's uh, reaction for a second, was just completely out of line. And if, if you go back to those comments I made in, in the previous podcast, he definitely uh, stands out. And, and Japanese have this saying that, that the, the, nick, uh, the nail sticking up must be hammered down. And they were all unanimous that this guy um, sort of was, was completely out of line. And they've kind of seen Tamatonga as a, a bit of a hero in this. And if you read some of the other threads, they all say New Japan should probably politely apologize for what happened, but ban him from any future attendances. And in addition to the photos I took kind of from the side, there was another fan, and I think you guys have seen it there as well, who was immediately behind him who took a photo and it had the guy's seat number on there. And a lot of them were saying, oh, we should contact New Japan and say the same thing. So I've reached out to my own friends, Japanese friends directly. They all tend to think the same way, that, that there, there are certain expectations of the audience and this guy crossed them. So quite surprisingly, there's very little um, sympathy. I mean, I saw one or two comments where, where people question whether or not New Japan should have the right to film this guy. And, and obviously his sort of public embarrassments have been you know, broadcast internationally. But only one or two fans said that. Um, it's very, very heavily. Uh, not so much saying Tom is, you know, what Thomas specifically did was great, but more just how out of line this fan was. And there's been a few other um, fan manner complaints that have come up today off the back of this as well. And another one that that is upsetting fans, and I've seen this because I've, I've sat next to the entrance ramp twice now on, on 15 of these shows, is a lot of fans will run across to the entrance ramp to try and get a hand slap or whatever from the... Um, Versus when they come in and out, and that's irritating a lot of Japanese fans as well, because again, that's not polite. You're supposed to sit in your seat and, and not block the view. So it's been quite a fascinating reaction, which I think is in quite stark contrast to your average Western fans' reaction to to what went down. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Um, I'm just curious why you think people are saying that. What sort of insights does that give us, if any, into Japanese culture? I, I, I think it's that one about sort of. Um, um, conforming to to societal's expectations, and I, I talked about that expression, which is, um, you know, if there's a nail sticking up, you hammer it down. So it's in line with, uh, you know, the rest of the nails all acting uh, sort of uniformly um, against those collective expectations. And this guy definitely um, would stick out. I think they might give a free pass to a gaijin acting like that, but when it's a Japanese fan. Um, I, I think it's just showing that manners is a big part of Japanese uh, society. And I think him sort of not meeting those expectations is, is sort of been the consistent response across both the younger and the older generations to this. Fraser, would you say that, and, and again, not that you were sitting directly next to or, or, but you were in earshot, you could definitely hear some comments. I mean, were any of them, in your opinion, out of line or uh, distasteful or uh, in in, you know, in any way would warrant Tamatanga to jump the rail and, and wrestlers to go out of their way to um, acknowledge this guy? Or is he just uh, just a passionate fan who's, who's, again, maybe stepping outside the social norms of what is considered polite in Japanese society? 
Um, I, I, I must admit, I'd probably need to speak to some of my friends to understand exactly what he was saying. I don't think my Japanese would be good enough when he's yelling it out quickly to know precisely. But certainly the feedback was his comments were very, very negative and very, very loud. And the latter point might seem a bit strange to fans, but that's also um, uh, a thing about the, the Japanese culture as well, is sort of how loud are you versus um, others as well. And he tended to make his comments kind of before and after matches when the crowd was otherwise quiet. So it wasn't as if he was sort of just doing your conventional booing the guy you don't like at certain uh, moments throughout the fight. But I, I did ask um, uh, one, one of my friends who, who speaks uh, English and Japanese very, very well, and she she just said his comments were very, very uh, negative. Now, exactly what they are, I can can find out. I mean, I didn't get the sense from anything that I read that you know there's any particular you know, racial or sexual slurs or anything like that. It, it just seemed to be um, over-the-top sort of uh, negative comments from this guy. Um, but as I say, I've been through loads of Japanese responses to this, and, and I'd say 95 98% of them are all quite uniform in their criticism of this guy, and, and so many of them are suggesting he should not be allowed to uh, come to future shows. Do you, do, you, do you think, in your opinion, that, um, there'll be any type of punishment or any type of, uh, um, I mean, I'm sure he got a talking to in the back, and, but, but do you think this is going to impact Tamatanga in any way? Yeah, I, I don't know. It was interesting. You guys might have seen on Twitter afterwards. Um, he, he did a video at the Shinkansen station going back to Tokyo where he just uh, threw litter on the ground, which is a big sort of public no-no as well. So Tamatanga in his own mind, at least, I don't think was... Uh, moving into any any steps backwards. But that said, as uh, you guys might have seen, um, when I was next to the entrance ramp at Hamamatsu, uh, I, I foolishly went for a two-sweet with uh, uh, Bad Luck Fale, who reversed it with the finger on me, which was captured on New Japan World, and he sent that out on Twitter to everybody, which was uh, kind of funny in a way. But what, what I did wonder about would, would be whether or not Tamatonga might try and take that clip, because I think it was on World, and, and maybe tweet that out and sort of say, you know, I'm... I'm coming to get you. So he wasn't proud to the point that he was um, willing to do that. In terms of how New Japan will react to it, I'm genuinely quite mystified. I, I'm hoping I might catch up with one of the two other people actually associated with the company later in the week to get their own private thoughts on this, but it might be a sensitive matter, so I'm not really sure how much I'll get on that. But I do know from from previous conversations, I know Ghetto in the past, um, at least, has been quite sensitive to some of the wrestlers' antics, and this is on a completely new level. So in the past, um, uh, I think it was one of the wrestlers was telling me that um, Ghetto had been telling guys to to swear less, although when you watch G1, there's no real evidence of that. But then you might notice Makabe, when he does his kind of two fingers to people now, he doesn't use the middle finger anymore. He uses the index finger, which was apparently an instruction from Ghetto to say that's uh, too offensive. So... I don't know. I could really probably see that going one of two ways. There, there, there could be that view that, yeah, you, you took that uh, too far. But he obviously, you know, he had time to think about it, right? Uh, I mean, he had that first altercation uh, the first time, so he'd already made up his mind he didn't like this guy. And and I could see the thought process um, sort of in his mind in, in the, the seconds that it unraveled where he made a conscious decision to go, right? It's not like he just sort of sprinted over there off one particular moment. He kind of lined it up and decided to do it. So they may hit him or they may look at the other way and say, well, maybe this was the shocking scandal or incident to get uh, what was otherwise a pretty flat angle over. I, I think the other thing I'll be curious to see on Wednesday is whether any of the promos that those uh, Tongans cut 
references that um, uh, activity or not. And I think that probably will give us a clue in terms of, you know, what the company itself thinks about it. Okay, moving back to the G1 talk itself, from the conversations you've had with the people you've met, how do the Japanese fans see the last few days of the G1 playing out? Who do they want to see in the final and who do you think they want to win the whole G1? Yeah, I, I think Tanahashi is is the guy um, most popular with, with, with fans these days. I was at the show in Fukuoka and like uh, Justin Thang Liger was doing some uh, pre-match build-up outside and he's asking a lot of fans, this was an A-Box show, mind you, sort of who they're all expecting and wanting to go through and they all said Tanahashi and he's obviously, while he's sort of been in and around the top, he's never really been the sort of one of the main two for any period of time for a good couple of years now and and I think it's been, you know, quite some time since he's been in there. So I think they're quite keen to see him go up the top of the card. And and, and Osaka, for me, it was quite telling that, as I mentioned before, when, when Kenny had his match, he was top of the points table and you got the feeling that people were not too keen for him to win again. Whereas Tanahashi was already at the top and, and, and he was still quite strongly supported against Elgin to win as well. So I think there's, there's big, big support for him. I got the sense also that, in the show yesterday, as far as Okada goes, um, people were definitely wanting Evil to win that match, which obviously would have, uh, I think if my maths is right, that basically would have knocked Okada out. So I think they've, they've felt perhaps that they've had enough of him in recent times and probably not so excited by this new character that, that they'd be willing to sort of, um, you know, view that as a, a new version of him to bring him up to the top. And then the other one on the A-Block side, Jay White's reaction to, to his latest victory was very, very flat. And that was important because there's only one of three guys left, but no one got really excited by that. So I think it's definitely Tanahashi on the A-Box side. As far as B-Box goes, um, it's quite split. You, you, you've got, you know, all three of those top guys, whether it's Kenny, Ibushi um, or Naito, they've all got their hardcore group of fans who would always stick with um, each of those guys respectively for what they know. But um, for me, I, I think Ibushi is the, the main one if you really had to pick one of them. He always seems to get the biggest babyface pops. He always seems to be the most popular guy going in and um, out of the ramp. And I think um, he might just edge Tanahashi in a final. But I'd be guessing if those two actually make it to the final, I could see that being quite a 50-50 crowd in Budokan would be um, my expectation. So speaking about Tanahashi, my money is on uh, Tanahashi winning the G1 and going on to face Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 13 for one last shot on the biggest stage. What main event do you think the Japanese fans want for Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, it's mm, probably going back to my comment about 50-50. I think they'd be happy with either, to be honest. Uh, I think Tanahashi Kenny would work and, and Ibushi Kenny would work. I, I think if you went by um, sort of generations, I think the younger fans are, are more into the Ibushi uh, Kenny um, angle, whereas maybe some of the older fans who, who sort of uh, view... Tanahashi very favorably, given he was kind of the guy that dragged along the company in, the, in its worst times, is um, that probably be more leaning towards um, him coming through. So I think it generally is split quite 50-50, which in a way would make for a, an interesting final because I think both of those two outcomes in, in most people's eyes are a very reasonable one. So it would be very, very hard to actually pick which way that would go if that ends up being the final. So it should make for an exciting match if we end up with that. In your opinion, and in uh, and again, we are talking to uh, Fraser Marriott, who is uh, Mr. G1. He's attended every single one of our, uh, not ours, I wish I was running it, but New Japan's G1 shows. Uh, is that a main event that you think 
could do very well for New Japan. And, and we're talking about Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Do you, do you think that is a big enough main event uh, for the Tokyo Dome? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I mean, one one thing a lot of Japanese fans have um, been saying for the last 18 months or so is that they think the top four is a little bit sort of stayed and, and too much of the main event storylines have been based around those four being sort of Naito, uh, Kenny, Tanahashi and Okada. So bringing Ibushi into that mix I think is quite refreshing for fans and feels like something new and different from what they've seen before. And then they've obviously got the long sort of uh, wrestling and personal history between the two of them. So I don't think there'd be any shortage of demand for fans to see that. And I think what what's probably interesting for most people, myself included, is kind of how would you take the storyline of that, given that um, as far as we are now, but things can obviously change, you know, they've been uh, very, good, very good friends and very close personally to one another. How would they actually set up the rivalry such that fans really want to believe that these guys sort of dislike one another uh, enough or have some other reason to really promote that rivalry? That might be the challenge uh, in the booking I could foresee. With, uh, with these shows, and again, we're, we're winding down and it's coming up on uh, the Budokan shows and, and G1's just about over. Who have been your MVPs? I mean, we talked about this on the last show. When we talked about this on our last podcast, who who are the? And we'll we'll do Block A and we'll do Block B. But who's been your MVP so far? I think I think Block B and and overall we, we, would have to be Ishi. I mean, he's had just so many amazing matches, um, uh, so many amazing matches so far that. Um, I, I think you just can't go past that. And, and I think what's been interesting about Ishii's matches as well, for me at least, is that you, you have the match with Goto at Kodokuen, where you could say that um, Ishii and Goto, they wrestle the same style, and therefore you're not surprised to see an exciting strong style match come out from, from the two of them. But when you look at his other standout matches, or at least the standout matches in my eyes, would be uh, Ibushi and Omega, is that he, he's gone up against two guys that don't really wrestle his style and have both adapted themselves very well to his style. And, and they've been amazing matches as well. And and it's quite nice on the undercards. They give you those clues, actually. And I think the Ibushi tag match against Ishii the, the day before, you could tell Ibushi was going to sort of go strong style. And I wasn't that convinced the day before. I just thought, oh, Bushi's not going to um, uh, sort of fit that. But they went really well together. So I think head and shoulders ahead of anyone else. And in fairness, he's been in B-block, so he's had the best adversaries. It's got to be uh, Algin, uh, sorry, uh, got to be issue for me on, on B-block. And then uh, A-block A would, would have to be Algin through sheer consistency. Um, I, I don't really think... Probably has been too many matches that, that you'd say are going to be remembered in 30 years' time necessarily. But I think all of his matches have been really good. And I think the thing about Algin that makes his matches uh, very um, exciting as well, and it's a little bit like Yano but on a sort of wrestling level, not a sort of comic, comedic sort of random level, is that Algin can conceivably beat and lose to anybody. Uh, when he's in the ring with Okada and Tanahashi, there's nobody thinking... Uh, this is, you know, a guaranteed two points for those top guys on top of the card. They all see Algin as a credible threat. I think the Japanese fans respect him immensely. I, I don't think their English is good enough to get into the dark corners of Twitter to understand what did and didn't um, happen over in the US. So, so that doesn't phase them at all. 
And I, I think he's just been um, exceptionally consistent. And, and also, I did notice uh, last uh, last afternoon, yesterday afternoon, that even with this, what seemingly is quite a serious injury, he still wrestled um, quite impressively, doing um, not as many, but certainly a lot of those power spots. So um, I think uh, he, he's done very, very well in A block. And that's been important, to be frank, because I think if you were to take Algen out of that A block, um, you you would really probably start having fans being a bit more vocal and just saying that the five matches you get each night on, on those shows is is just not good enough overall. And moving away from the wrestling, I saw on Twitter that recently you went to a post show dinner hosted by Suichi Shibata, who's a New Japan commentator, and Masakatsu Funaki, the Pancrase co-founder. Can you tell us a bit about that, please? Yeah, there, there was. Pretty interesting, actually. Um, so, so I mentioned that sort of um, a group of uh, dentists and doctors and nurses and stuff that that I uh, met previously. So, one of the dentists um, for that show in Osaka suggested coming along to this event. Now, to be frank, I, I had absolutely no idea in advance what this was. I've been to quite a few of these Japanese talk shows where about eighty percent of it goes over my head, twenty percent I can understand, and then sort of uh, my friends kindly sort of translate what was. Uh, in between. Um, there was probably an older generation of fans, so a lot of them um, were more inclined to talk to Funaki about sort of, um, you know, what his matches were like 25, 30 years ago. But but I think it's very interesting to see that demographic um, of fans. They're, they're very, very passionate. They, they tend to have knowledge across all the promotions as well. Not not too many of them are violently, or violent is probably the wrong word, but, but, but just sort of passionately following only one promotion. Their their, their knowledge goes um, quite across. So it's quite interesting to to get their take on some of the old stuff that they're really uh, into, and then also to get their views on some of the um, uh, newer stuff. But it was interesting for me. They gave me a few insights in terms of you know what it was like being a fan of New Japan ten or twelve years ago when many seats were empty, and now they see that it's um, uh, much more full. So it was it was a nice night. We're at a Chinese restaurant. Um, a good vibe there, and uh, yeah, it was a, a nice experience, a nice way to mix things up uh, on the tour. And could you also talk to us a little bit about your discussions with New Dad Harold, Harold May? What's he like, and what's in the pipelines for the future? Yeah, he he's uh, he, he's a very approachable guy. I mean, I've been obviously going around all these shows. I don't know if he's gone to all of them, but what he typically does is he'll stand in the foyer. So he's done this at Quarter Quinn. He's certainly done it on a number of these uh, venues we've gone to around Japan. He tends to position himself there, and all the fans can come up and have a photo with him and have a chat. And his Japanese is is excellent, so he's got a lot of respect for the uh, from the uh, Japanese fans. He's very approachable, and he's very open. Uh, when I talked to him, we sort of exchanged business cards, and he was just talking about his, his primary purpose, really, for coming along is to list um, – uh, New Japan within two years. Now, he, he told me that the listing he's targeting within two years is on what's called the Mother's Exchange, which is a smaller Japanese exchange initially. Then two years after that, they will list on the Tokyo Stock Exchange, which is kind of like the equivalent to the London or New York Stock Exchange for for people from the U- UK and the uh, US. But that's his number one uh, priority. I haven't obviously really spoken to him about the details of kind of what formulates those uh, timelines. And, and I think he's quite heavily involved in the US expansion as well. But he's very, very nice, um, very, very approachable. Seems to be a genuine fan um, as well. His Japanese is excellent, but sort of his single focus um, is that future future listing. So be interesting to see how they go because that topic actually came up in the dinner we were just talking about before. There are a few fans that are nervous around 
what are the kind of the expectations of the company and its conduct if you do become a listed company and you've seen it with the WWE in the past. So um, for those of you, and I know Damon's certainly not one of them, uh, who are fans of seeing things like Tamatonga running out and choking fans, uh, this may be your last chance, or at least in the next two years, because uh, after that, perhaps they're going to have to rein in a bit of what they're doing. Okay, my last question for you, Fraser. Uh, I'm a huge lover of Japanese food. Could you please tell us a bit about some of the food you've eaten on this tour? Any unusual local delicacies and your personal favourites? Because looking at your photos, the seven-year wasabi and the okonomiyaki look particularly good. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there was definitely something uh, I targeted right from the start, which was to to try try the um, foods of all the different places. And um, I think, to be honest. Um, I had a good variety of stuff and, and typically went for whatever was the local speciality in each place. But the okonomiyaki was uh, actually quite incredible. So that was in Osaka. So Osaka is, is famous for that and also takoyaki, um, which is the octopus balls. This okonomiyaki is kind of like this pancake, which um, sort of got like an egg batter base and then they throw literally in there, uh, literally everything in there. So I ordered the kind of the biggest one on the menu, which is a combination of meat, pork, seafood, and pretty much everything. And they cook it right in front of you on a hot plate in probably about 10 to 15 minutes, and that was outstanding. It, 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 that particular place, which I've um, put down on the Twitter thread, was um, highly recommended. I got there about half an hour before it opened in the baking hot sun and wrote my name down and, and was fortunate enough to be in the first group that entered. But for those of you who ever targeting a, a Dominion show or, or if they run two days in Osaka every year, come across for the for the last week of the G1, it, it would be good. I'd highly recommend uh, going there. I think it was uh, Fukutaro, um, quite close to Ilion uh, Arena, conveniently as well. I'd say that would have to be the standout. Probably in second place um, would be Nagoya. Nagoya has a special breed of chicken called Kochin. I have no idea how they managed to uh, make this mixed breed, but they did. And that chicken is is quite a lot different to anything else you taste. And uh, so if you ever find yourself in Nagoya, uh, Cochin chicken is what you should be trying. Let's let's uh, let's continue. Just one more with the with the food talk, if we could, Fraser. And then uh, one last pro wrestling uh, question from me. Um, and listen, you know we are huge fans. Um, you got to give us a flavor of strong zero. What, what, <laughs> what's the strong zero that that's the go to on a hot summer day for you? I'm, I'm going to disappoint you uh, here a bit, Damon. Oh. Uh, my alcohol intake these days is uh, not very high, so um, I don't have too much uh, insight for you on that one. I, I do know that you and Joe have been, uh, and uh, Eric and some of the other guys uh, are big fans, but sadly, um, while, while I can tell you anything you want to know about food, which, which I think was your question, on the drink side, uh, uh, unfortunately, I've got no local knowledge for you on that shit. Oh, so 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 breaks my heart. But listen, uh, I'll, I'll have somebody with a with a suitcase just for that sole purpose of of hopefully bringing some home. I miss it so. Um, is there a buzz? Is has anybody chatted uh, to you about um, New Japan uh, running Madison Square Garden in in 2019? I know that a lot of people that I talk to uh, over there seem to have um, almost like. Uh, it would be for a Western person to go to the Tokyo Dome. Um, has anybody talked to you about Madison Square Garden? And is there buzz over there about New Japan running Madison Square Garden? Um, I think there 
is in certain respects. I think everybody, um, all the Japanese fans, uh, definitely know how special Madison Square Garden is as a venue, and I think they're all very impressed that New Japan's going to go there. I think some of them are a bit nervous about it, though. I, I, I think um, a lot of them have memories of uh, what happened in January 2016 where WWE came in and sort of raided four or five of those top guys all at once. And I, I, I wonder if there's a um, feeling amongst Japanese fans that I speak to that they feel like um, New Japan might be prodding the bear a little bit. And I think most of them are aware of some of these new TV deals that WWE have signed. Um, so that, uh, there's already a lot of nervousness amongst Japanese fans um, about Kenny and the Bucks going. Um, I think the average Japanese fan assumes, and Shinsuke was a bit of an exception to that, that pretty much all their top Japanese stars will stay. Um, they're very sort of domestic by nature. They seem to love the company. So they see the risk of any of those guys going is much lower. But they wonder about the timing of this and whether or not sort of uh, WWE, um, if they can't stop the show itself, which it seems as if they won't be able to, whether their vengeance might come in the form of some of their favorite wrestlers getting signed. So that's been a bit of nervousness. I would say Japanese in general are not great international travelers. They, they're very passionate about domestic travel, but internationally, not so much. So I haven't really got the sense. I mean, I haven't talked to too many people about it, but but certainly all the friends I have spoken to so far, none of them have sort of indicated that they um, are planning on attending. Um, so it might be more... Uh, Western dominated, but I, I certainly think they appreciate the fact it's a special venue and they're quite excited by the fact that uh, a show will be run there. Fraser, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us again. Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm at uh, Fraser Japan, so four more days to go, so please, if you've got time, uh, follow along. I, I'm not sure if I have any content uh, after the four days. I'll probably have to have a resting detox for a while, but yeah, follow along. Um, that's where you can find me. Right, and you can find us at the Super J Cast on Twitter. So thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode and goodbye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.